Welcome, everybody. It's good to see you. Welcome, Grape Road. If you're watching online, welcome. Hope everybody is doing well. All right, let's get going. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Matthew, more specifically than that, chapter 18. That's where we're going to be planted at today. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you're more like me, you're a little bit more digital, you can have your iPad or your phone. Go ahead and type that in, Matthew chapter 18. All right. I want to start out today with a question. And this question, before, before I ask it, before we look at it, um, I want to say that one of the things that I believe as, that's important as followers of Christ is to periodically stop and ask ourselves some difficult questions. To stop and to ask ourselves a question on how are we doing with that? And this is one of those questions. It's a self-observation moment, so let's do a self-observation of this question. Here's the question. How am I doing with forgiveness? How am I doing with forgiveness? Now, when I ask that question, if you're anything like me, your brain could take you multiple different directions. Cameron, what do you mean by that? How am I doing with receiving forgiveness? How am I doing with extending forgiveness? How big of a role does forgiveness play in my life? And the answer is yes, all of that. All of that. How are we doing with forgiveness? And like I said, I think it's, a, I think it's important as followers of Christ to periodically stop and do these self-observations of questions like that. I periodically stop and say, Cameron, how are you doing with that? What am I doing with that? Some years ago, I went on vacation with uh, one of my best friends. His name's Brad went on vacation to a place called Cumberland Falls. Anybody, show of hands, anybody ever heard of that, Cumberland Falls? More people than I thought, incredible. It's in Corbin, Kentucky. It's a, it's a pretty cool spot. Just for reference, if you don't know uh, what it looks like, this is Cumberland Falls right here. Yeah, it looks majestic. It looks beautiful. I think the image does it, uh, makes it look better than what it really is. Um, I've heard it's called, to, uh, called the Niagara Falls of the South. I haven't decided if, that, if that's a compliment or not. I don't know, but that's what some people call it. It's pretty beautiful. It's nice. There's tons of stuff you can do, hiking trails and all that fun stuff all around it. And so Brad and I, we're out there, and one day while we're out there, he says, hey, we should go just pack up our stuff on our backs, go out in the wilderness and just get lost and camp there and then come back the next day. And of course, I said yes. So we pack up, we start heading out, and we're about five, six miles out. And while we're out there, we come across this, this section that's just, it's this beautiful scenery. It's just beautiful. And, and, and if you know anything about me, one of the things that I love is nature. It's one of the ways that I think like God speaks to me is when I see his creation. It's just so beautiful. And we come across a section like this, and so we stop and we start taking pictures, but we want to get better pictures and to get better pictures you have to do you have to take some risks sometimes and so we we have to get out in the water and start to stand on these rocks now i didn't take this image but it was something very similar to this right here yeah so we were standing on rocks like that leaning over trying to get some pictures and and we're taking these pictures and i'm pointing i'm like a kid in a candy shop you know whoa look at that whoa, what's going on over here and all that and what i'm not realizing is that as i'm pointing brad is at the same time pulling his brand new iphone out of his pocket that he had just bought the day before we left and just a heads up this is before they made waterproof iphones I'm sure, I'm sure you can see where this is headed. And as he's lifting his phone up to take a picture, my hand is at the same time going like this. 
and my hand smacks the iPhone, and it's like a movie. It was slow motion, doing flips, and I tried to catch it, and obviously I didn't get it, and it splash, hits the water. We freak out. I jump in. I grab the iPhone. I pull it up, and we just make this weird kind of awkward eye contact with each other for a minute, and then we just start running. Because, now, there's a reason why we started running. Somebody told us that if you get your phone wet, you put it in rice, it'll help it. It doesn't work. It just, just heads up. Don't just, if it falls in the water and it's not waterproof, it's broke. Just, just buy a new one. That's how it takes. It didn't work. It was broke. But I remember we're running back and I've got this dripping iPhone in my hand and I feel awful. And all I can think is, oh my gosh, I hope he forgives me. I hope he forgives me. We get down to the bottom and I look at Brad and I'm like, brother, I am so, so sorry. I did not mean to do that. And I'll never forget it. He looks at me and he says, Cameron, and he's kind of like chuckling a little bit, surprisingly. He's like, it's all good, man. I forgive you. You don't have to apologize. It was a complete accident, man. It's just a phone. It's just a phone. But I learned something that day. I learned that forgiveness plays a really big role in our friendships. It plays a really big role, and it should play a really big role in our lives, because after that happened, Brad could have easily held that against me. I mean, he could have easily made me buy him a new one and gotten angry with me and held it against me, but he didn't. Instead, he chose to extend forgiveness, and I, and I want us to know that as Christians, as followers of Christ, forgiveness is something that we should continuously be striving to get better at continuously working on, continuously wanting to get better at. When you, when you open up your Bible and you start to read the stories found in this book, what you'll come across is story after story and moments throughout Scripture where forgiveness is needed. There's, there's, there's tons and tons of stories all throughout the Bible where forgiveness takes place, and forgiveness is a massive part of the Bible. And what I wanted to do just real quickly was I wanted to share three, uh, three pretty big stories in the Bible um, where forgiveness happened, where forgiveness took place. And what you can do is after service at some point this week or today, you can go back and reference these if you want to read some more stories on forgiveness. The first one is in 1 Samuel 24. What you'll come across is King David forgiving Saul for wanting to kill him. That's pretty big. King David, a man forgiving another man for trying to kill him. In Genesis 45, we see a man named Joseph forgiving his brothers for selling him. That's, that's pretty big. And then in the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we come across the story of when Jesus came to the earth and died on the cross for what? For the forgiveness of our sins. One of the most important, most impactful moments of the history of the earth centered around this idea of forgiveness. So you could say that forgiveness is a big deal. Forgiveness matters. Forgiveness is important. If forgiveness plays that big of a role in the scriptures, you could say that forgiveness matters to God. And as I'm standing here, I want you guys to hear something. If forgiveness matters to God, forgiveness should matter to us. If forgiveness is important to God, forgiveness should be important to us as well. It's required, it's important, and it's necessary as a Christian to walk, to live in forgiveness. This isn't on your handout, but if you want, you can write this in, you can write this off to the side to remember this, that forgiveness is a primary message of God. 
Forgiveness is a primary message of God. We're instructed even in our relationships with other people, our friendships or, or just different relationships that we have to continuously walk in forgiveness as a result of what Christ Jesus has already done for us. We see in the book of Ephesians chapter four, it says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice, be kind and compassionate to one another, doing what? Forgiving each other, just as in why Christ God forgave you. In Colossians chapter three, it says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has agreements against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Scripture even paints us a picture of what it looks like to walk in forgiveness when there's somebody in your life who just keeps hurting you over and over and, o- and over and over again. Anybody else relate to that? Just have that somebody? Yeah, yeah, we have it. And somebody, just the same person, just keeps hurting us over and over again. And can I be vulnerable for a second? Okay, I'm just going gonna, gonna to be honest. Here's the deal. Sometimes when I read the Bible, sometimes when I'm reading through the scriptures, I come across a passage, and the first thought in my mind after, wow, don't judge me, okay, is, I wish that wasn't in there. <laughs> and, and I don't mean that like in a bad way. I mean that in, that's really difficult to do. There's times where I'll come across scripture where I'm sure there's many of us where my brain will take me to, but that's really difficult. That's really hard. This one I want to share, it's pretty tricky. In Luke 17, it says, even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, I'm sorry, you must forgive them. Notice in that passage, it says you must forgive them. It doesn't say you can consider forgiving them. Process it, pray about it, go seek some counsel about it, post about it on Facebook and see the response you get, and then you can move on in forgiveness. It says what? You must forgive them. You must forgive them. I'm sharing this and I'm talking about this because I want us to understand that forgiveness is a big deal. It's important. It's a spiritual mandate. You could go as far as saying that. Forgiveness is a big deal. Think about it in our relationships with other people. It, Forgiveness plays a big role. Forgiveness, can, I mean, if, you're, if there's no forgiveness, it can determine whether it's a good, lasting, healthy, long relationship or a short, unhealthy relationship. Forgiveness matters in our marriage. For those of you that are married, forgiveness plays a big role in our marriage. Forgiveness also plays a big role in our personal well-being. And here's what I mean by that. Unforgiveness wears us down. Have you ever ever met somebody who just lives in perpetual unforgiveness? Yeah, they're not fun to be around. People who live in unforgiveness are just not fun to be around. So, now that we know and now that we've heard that forgiveness is a big deal, it matters, it's important, it's necessary, and forgiveness matters to God, and if forgiveness matters to God, then it should matter to us as well. I want to revisit that question that I asked at the beginning, and it's, this, how am I doing with forgiveness? How are we doing with forgiveness? So hold that thought. We're in a series called Kingdom Stories. We're looking through different parables found throughout the scripture and what we can learn from them today. And today, 
I want us to take a journey together as we look at another parable found in uh, the book of Matthew. And, and what we have, before we jump into this parable, we read this, I want to set this up a little bit. Jesus is with his disciples in Galilee, and they, they've been asking Jesus all these great questions, all pertaining to the kingdom of heaven, and he's answered them. And then Peter comes along, and he asks Jesus about forgiveness. And then Jesus responds with this parable. So it's Matthew chapter 18. We're going to begin in verse 21. Now buckle up. It's a lot of scripture. It's a long parable, but we'll get through it. All right, Matthew 18. Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me, and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. The title of today's message is Living in Forgiveness, the parable of the unmerciful servant. And I have two main thoughts that I see in this text, but before we get into those, would you bow your head and pray with me? So Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the love that you've poured out on us, and we thank you in advance for all the great things you're gonna do today. Father, I pray that if there's anyone that's walked in here that's living in unforgiveness, that has something in their heart that's been picking at them, that, Father, today is a day where they find freedom. So, God, we open up our hearts, we open up our minds to receive, Father, what you have for us. Let us walk out differently than when we walked in. Change us. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You can fill this in. Living a life of forgiveness requires awareness of our good fortune. Awareness of our good fortune. What do I mean by that? Our good fortune, what we have received versus what we deserve. Because the reality is, is what we have received is different than what we deserve. In the text, in verse 27, it says, the servant's master took pity on him. And if you have a highlighter, highlight this word. If you have a pen, underline it, circle it, star it, whatever you have to do. Canceled the debt and let him go. Canceled 
the debt and let him go. In the text, Jesus shares that the, the debt that the servant owed the master was 10,000 bags of gold. Now, there's a, a debate amongst people about how much that actually equates to in today's day and age. I've heard some people say that's millions of dollars. Other people have said it's 35 years of an annual salary, which I don't even know how you came up with that, but that was one of the things I've read. But, but it doesn't matter. The reality is, is Jesus was sharing this amount of money to show Peter and us today that what this servant was indebted to his master with was an absurd amount of money that he could never repay. It's an absurd amount of money that this man could never pay back. He had a debt that he couldn't pay back, and this man deserved to be thrown in prison. He deserved to have everything he had to be taken from him, his family taken from him and put in prison, his stuff, his belongings to be sold. He, be he deserved that. But what I love about this is that's not the way the master views this. The master's heart was for his servant. And, and listen, I know, I know if, you're, if you're like me in this, sometimes it can be easy when we read the Bible, when we read these stories, we hear about them, to separate ourselves from the story. I do it all the time. I, it's easy to separate myself and think, well, I'm not like, that's not me. I'm different. It's a, it's a different day and age. It's different. But the reality is, is we are not so much different than the servant in this story. We're not. And here's what I mean by that. If we stop for a moment, what we, what we decided to do was we started to peel back the layers in our own life. What we would come across was tons and tons of debt that we are indebted to God for. We would see this sin, and all that sin does is separate us from God. It's a debt that we could never pay back. That's what it is. It's a debt that we could never pay back. We would start to see, as we peel those layers back, we start to see anger and pride, and lust, and greed. We'd start seeing those moments in our lives where we went there, and we did that, and we said that, and we experienced that, and we looked at that. We thought that. The time that we treated that one person that way, that they didn't deserve it, we would start to see all these moments in our lives that we just accumulated all this debt that separates us from God. But here's what I love about our Heavenly Father is we would peel back those layers and we'd see that debt, but then right next to that we would see mountains of forgiveness where our Heavenly Father has canceled all of that debt and allowed us to live in connection with Him. That's what I love about our Heavenly Father is that He sees the debt that we have in our personal life and He cancels it out and, and lets us live into freedom and step into that freedom and live in forgiveness and connection with God. There was, a, there was a young man many years ago um, at the church I used to work for, and I, I loved this young man, loved this kid deeply, and I pastored him for, oh, about seven years, and just cared for this young man deeply, and one day he calls me, and he wants to meet up with me, and so, of course, I met up with him, and he, uh, he begins to share what's going on in his life, and, and he shares this sin that he has in his life, and it's and, and it's a pretty heavy sin, and, and he was living in it. And he wasn't asking for prayer. He wanted me to affirm it and tell him that it's okay and allow him to continue on in this and to say, it's okay, it's okay. And I, as his pastor, I couldn't do it. As somebody who loves him and cared for him, I couldn't do it. I had to look at him and say, I love you, but I can't condone that behavior. I can't affirm that. 
I did it from, from what I was trying to be as loving and caring and gracious as I possibly could. But it wasn't the answer he wanted, and he got mad. <laughs> he got mad. He, he, he started calling me every name in the book. I'm a this, I'm a that, I can go here, I can do that. All the different stuff you could think about, he started saying about me. He got angry and he started posting on Facebook about me and, and getting on social media platforms and saying I was this and making phone calls to, to people in the church and people that knew me saying I was this and, and all these lies, all these hurtful things. And there were so many times in the middle of that season where I was hearing all these accusations where I really wanted to stop and go, well, yeah, well, you're this and you're that and that's not fair. And how could you treat me like that? And I wanted to say all these things back to him. And I wanted to just yell and be like, that's not fair. That's not, all I did was care for you and you treated me like this. That's what I wanted to do. But there was a moment in the middle of that season where God spoke to me and he revealed something to me. He showed me that I'm not so much different than the young man in my story. That his sin and his hurt may be different than mine, but I have hurt and I have sin in my life. And what would that say about me if God can forgive me for all that I've done in my life, but I can't extend that same forgiveness to him? What would that say about me? So what this young man needed was not condemning. It wasn't me yelling at him and saying he's this and he's that and throwing him down, what this young man needed was love. He needed grace. He needed forgiveness. And, and it, I, I will say it took some time, but eventually he, we're friends. You know, we're friends now. He, he called me and apologized. And sometimes that doesn't happen, but it did in this moment. He called me and apologized, and there was a, there's a, this one of my favorite Proverbs that I would read in the middle of that season, and it would remind me of this. It's coming on the screen. It's Proverbs 17. It says, love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. What that means, I love the picture that this paints for me, and maybe it paints the same for you. What it shows me is that when forgiveness is needed, in the middle of hurt, in the middle of, of some of the most painful moments that we experience in our lives, when we insert Jesus in the midst of those, it brings healing, it brings connection, and it brings us closer together. But the same can be said vice versa, right? When forgiveness is needed, and instead of extending forgiveness and bringing Jesus into it, when we start to reach down and bring some hell and some bitterness into it, that creates division. But it feels good, right? It feels good to be angry. It feels good to hold on to that, to be frustrated, to be right. It feels good. But listen, in our most hurtful moments, in our most, in our most painful moments, in the moments where, where we, we need to extend forgiveness the most, friends, listen, that is when Jesus is the most necessary. That's when we need to rely on Jesus the most, is in those moments where forgiveness is so difficult that you couldn't imagine extending it. That is the moment where we need to depend on Jesus the most. There's a, there's a popular story in Acts about a young man named Stephen, and I'm sure some of us have heard this before, and I won't set it all up, but 
this young man named Stephen, and he's a great guy. He's, he's going around, he's helping the early church get started, and he's doing some incredible things, miracles and, and healing, and all this great stuff is happening. And then there's this group of people that just don't like him. So what they decided to do was lie about him and say he did this and he said that and he's blaspheming and all this false stuff. So what they end up doing is capturing Stephen and dragging him in front of a large group of people to essentially condemn him. And what happens in this story is, is powerful. It's, it's, it's sad, it's unfortunate what happened, but but Peter has, or I'm sorry, Stephen has a response in this story that as Christians, as followers of Christ, we should strive to live in. We pick up in Acts chapter 7, verse 57. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him, so they started to throw rocks at him. And the witnesses laid, their, laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out and with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he said that, he fell asleep. He died. Think about this. Stephen, in the middle of some of the most intense pain physically a person can endure, on top of this emotional pain, he's getting, these, he's getting stoned to death. He's on his knees, and his first response to the people that have, that have hurt him, that have thrown out these accusations against him, isn't, yeah, well, you did this, and that's not fair, and starting to point, and to say, you should do this, and that's not, no, stop, no, but that's, no, his first response was forgiveness. His first response was, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Stephen was living in his forgiveness, and as Christians, when we, when we choose to live in our forgiveness, it's easier to extend forgiveness. When we understand that we are forgiven, it's easier to walk and to live in forgiveness. So you can fill this in. Forgiven people forgive people. Forgiven people forgive people. When we recognize that we are forgiven... There's a debt that we owe, that, that we're not perfect, and, and God has forgiven us. It's easier to walk out in that forgiveness. Right underneath that, there's a question on your handout, and it's not a fill in the blank, but it's a question I want you to, to, to revisit throughout the week or throughout the month. Maybe write it down somewhere else, hold it up, and look at it whenever you need to. But I want us to look at this question together. It's on the screen. Does our received forgiveness match our extended forgiveness? Does the, does the forgiveness, does the amount of forgiveness we're extending to other people match the level of forgiveness that we've received? Because, friends, if it doesn't, we should, we should rethink that. We should work on that. So living a life of forgiveness requires awareness of our good fortune. And number two, you can fill this in. Living a life of forgiveness required, requires acknowledging God's extreme expectations. What do I mean by extreme expectations? The lengths that God's forgiveness is willing to go to reach us, to get to us, is limitless. You could say the, that the expectation that he calls us to live up to is extreme. It's an extreme expectation. And we see that on display in verse 21 of the parable. It says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? 
Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Now, I like what Peter did here because what Peter didn't do here was just ask Jesus a question and then stop and wait for a response. He went to the next level. Peter asks Jesus this question and then has a response. He said, how many times shall I forgive somebody? Up to seven times? Now, it's easy as a reader. Let's be careful. It's easy as a reader now to go, Peter, come on, bro. Like, seven times, that's it? You can do better than that. But we, we, have to give them some, we have to give them the benefit of the doubt, and here's why. In that day and age, the rabbis instructed people that you only were required to forgive uh, somebody of a reoccurring offense up to three times. And so when Peter said seven times, that was over twice as many as what he was taught, he was taught and what he was told. So Peter was coming from a very forgiving heart. And so when he asked up to seven times, Jesus' response does away with all the limits. He sets a new expectation when it comes to forgiveness. He says, truly I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. And I want us to understand what Jesus wasn't saying here when he responded this way was, hey, once you get to 77 times, you don't have to anymore. He was saying forgiveness does not have to do with the number. It's a way of life. That as Christians, he was showing Peter and he's showing us today in this moment that as a follower of Christ, we're called to live in forgiveness day in and day out. That's who we are. That's what we're defined by. That's what we will be about is living in that forgiveness. That's a heavy, heavy, high, extreme expectation to live in. We can be honest, it's tricky. It's not easy. Like, it's okay, we're not perfect. That's, that's, that's hard to live up to. And I shared, this, I shared this passage earlier, and I want to revisit it, because in that Luke 17 passage, it starts off really difficult, but then the apostles have a response to that, and it's right on par with my responses, I'm sure. Some of us, it, it was our response also in Luke 17. It says, even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I'm sorry, I repent, you must forgive them. And then the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. It was like the apostles heard how difficult this was gonna be and it was like, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need some help. This tricky, it's difficult. Jesus, I need some help. And those are extreme expectations to live up to. And it's okay to say, Jesus, I need some help with that. I need some help. It's tough. So what I want to do is I want to get practical for a moment. And I want to share with you a, a, a prayer model that I use in my personal life. When forgiveness is needed, when I, when I need to extend forgiveness the most, this is the prayer model that I use. And, and I, like to, I like to use the word rooted a lot because if we want to live in forgiveness, we have to be rooted in forgiveness. So I call this the rooted in forgiveness prayer. And it's a four-step prayer model, and you can do this so, so you can fill in the blanks here. The first thing that you have to do when forgiveness is needed in the rooted in forgiveness prayer is name the wound. Name the wound. What is it that hurt you? Who is it that hurt you? What did they do? Call it out. Say, they did this. They said this. This happened to me. This is what they did. It's okay to say that. Say, Jesus, this is what they did, and it hurt. They said this about me. They lied. They, they, they said they'd never do that, and they did. This is what happened. Name the wound. After you name the wound, then declare God's power. Declare God's power. Say, they did this, God. 
and I don't want to carry this any longer. And God, you are a mighty, powerful, incredible, amazing God. I can't carry this on my own, God. You are the only one that's strong enough to take this. And so, God, I give this to you. Then after you declare God's power, the next one is kind of tricky. It's difficult. Speak out compassion. Begin to speak out compassion over that person, over that whatever the, that is that hurt you. Say, God, they're your child. It's tricky. God, you created them in your image just like you created me in your image. God, you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for them just like you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. And so, Father, they are your child and I love them. Prayerfully give it to God. And then the fourth one is this. Do it again. Do it again. When you wake up in the morning, before your feet hit the floor, you choose forgiveness. Forgiveness isn't a one-time decision. It's a daily, sometimes hourly decision that we have to make. When you're with your family, you choose forgiveness. When you're with your friends, you choose forgiveness. We're at home, we choose forgiveness. At work, we choose forgiveness. We have to choose to live that life of forgiveness, to stay rooted in forgiveness day in and day out. And here's what we have to be aware of. We have to acknowledge the fact, and that's that we have an enemy that doesn't want us to live in that freedom. The enemy actually wants you to stay right where you're at. Because he know, he, like, the enemy knows what happened, and the enemy wants you to say, no, 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 just stay right there. They deserve that. You can stay angry because it feels good. You can stay frustrated because it feels good. That's what the enemy wants because the enemy doesn't want you to, ex to experience freedom. The enemy wants to destroy you. The enemy wants us to live right there in that hurt and that pain. You can fill this in. The enemy wants you to stay rooted in hurt. God wants you to be released in freedom. We have to know the difference. The enemy wants you to stay right where you're at wants to stay rooted in that hurt, rooted in that pain, thinking about that time that they said this, remembering the moment where they did that. But God wants us to step out in freedom. And if we want to step into that freedom, we have, we have to get our eyes on him. We have to turn our hearts towards Christ, seek after his will, and to see people as forgiven people and loved people and God's creation. I almost didn't share this, but I want to insert a quote here. I want to insert a quote, and before we look at the quote, um, it's, I don't, how do I say this? It's kind of humorous. Um, well, maybe you guys won't laugh, but I laughed, and everyone else has laughed, so if you want to fit in, you'll laugh too. Um, but it's by, <laughs> it's by a, a, a famous theologian. Uh, his name's Charles Spurgeon. And he, he, he made this statement about forgiveness, and, and this is what he said. He made this statement here. Oh, it just went away. It'll come back. We're coming back. Charles Spurgeon quote. Where, there he is. Forgive and forget. When you bury a mad dog, don't leave his tail above the ground. Okay, all right. Well, I thought it was funny. Anyways, what's <laughs> don't leave his tail above the ground. What he's saying is, is when you choose to live in forgiveness, when you choose to walk out in forgiveness, don't pull a flag out, set it in the dirt, and say, I remember when they did that. 
I remember when that happened over here. And then every time you come across that person, that moment, that place, whatever that thing is, you're reminded of that hurt that happened. And you see that and you go, yeah, but I remember when they did that. I remember this, I remember that. Friends, God is not calling us to live in that hurt any longer. As Christians, what we are called to do is to grab our shovel, to dig a deep hole, to bury that pain, to bury that sin to completion, and then to step over top of it and to walk into freedom. We can't walk into freedom while we're busy setting up flags and reminding ourselves of all the hurt in our lives. There's no way we can walk in freedom while we're too busy looking at all the things that people have done to us and worrying about those. And I want to I step out on a limb for just a second that I feel like there are some people right now listening that you've been living in this hurt for a long time. Maybe somebody's done something to you. Maybe there's been a moment in your life where something has happened, and it's not fair. I'm not saying it's fair what happened. But somebody's hurt you, somebody said something to you, somebody's done something, and it's affected you. And I want you to know that today is a day that God is calling you to step into freedom. That God doesn't want you to walk out these doors to turn this off without realizing that he is for you, that he is with you, and he sees you, and he wants you to be in connection with him. To walk out of here in forgiveness. To walk out of here in love. And I, one of the things I love about God is that he hears us. He's a present God. He doesn't turn a blind eye or cover his ears when we go to him. He's listening. He's attentive. One of my favorite passages in the entire Bible is found in 1 Peter. It says this, give all your worries and cares to God. Why? Because he cares for you. Because he cares about you. Friends, he, he loves you. He wants, to, he wants to be with you in the moments of hurt. He wants you to walk in forgiveness, to live in forgiveness, to step into the life of freedom that he has for you. But to do that, we have to go to him. We have to go to him. So today, my challenge is let's, live a, let's start living a life of forgiveness. Let's step into that freedom and let's say yes to living a life of forgiveness that God is calling all of us to. Living a life of forgiveness requires awareness of our good fortune, and living a life of forgiveness requires acknowledging God's extreme expectations. So with that, would you stand? We're going to move into a time of ministry.